Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got two really cool guests sitting on our couch, hanging out on our couch. (laughs) Hanging out on the couch. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, It's Amanda. And we have two guests here today. We have Jen and Amy. And Jen and Amy are both doulas and they are business partners um, at Doula Care Journey in Leslieville here in Toronto. And so they attend births anywhere from, what is was it you said, Mount Sinai to Sunnybrook to Michael Garon. You guys are all over the place, right? Pretty much within the GTA, yeah. So North York to, uh, General to the north, um, St. Joseph's to the west, Michael Guerin to the east and Sunnybrook and Mount Sinai are in the middle. Uh, so actually, let's give a little backstory how you guys ended up here. So Amy and I met because we were the only two people on the dance floor at the RMTAO Awards Dinner. We were. So if any of you listening were there, we were the two fools jumping around the dance floor I feel by like ourselves. We were probably the only two drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Explains why you're the only two dancing. I I think I might have been I might have been drinking just a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there might have been a glass of wine or two <laughs> happening. Well, anyway, somewhere in our conversation, I found out that Amy was a doula. And as some of you may know, if you've been listening to the podcast, it's something I've been really interested in. And in fact, I'm actually going to be attending my first birth as a doula in uh, any day now. I'm actually just waiting for a call. So you guys are here at the perfect time because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome. Let's start with um, whichever one of you wants to jump in. Just introduce yourselves and let everybody know who you are and what you do. Great. Hi, everybody. And uh, thank you again for having us here today. So I'm Jen and I am a birth and postpartum doula. So I work um, with pregnant women. So all the way from when they announce their pregnancy, some of them contact us very, very early, all the way through, through birth support and postpartum and beyond. And we typically will work with postpartum clients until the baby is four to six months. I don't like to really go too much beyond four to six months. months. Yeah. uh, After that, that becomes a little bit more of a nanny role. Yeah. But um, (laughs) because the focus is on the mother. Mm-hmm. primarily and that's that's one of and we can talk a little bit about the the differences between postpartum support and nanny support as well which people tend to get mixed up at but yeah it's 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 almost like uh, going through that fourth trimester for right. women because people tend to forget that you know once once the baby is born it's like okay yay party's over baby's here you know totally that was left. that was the main reason that when i was pregnant I wanted to have a midwife because I just, I was more nervous. I wasn't nervous about, I shouldn't say I wasn't nervous, but I was not nearly as nervous about pregnancy, labor, delivery. That all seemed like, yeah, I mean, women do this all the time. I can figure that out. It was, what do I do once I have this teeny tiny human and then I have to go home with this teeny tiny human and take care of it and keep it alive by myself? That was the part that kept me up at night, caused me anxiety. And so I knew right away, okay, I want to have a midwife. I didn't know a lot about doulas then, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But okay. Well, thank you. I want I want to also let Amy introduce herself. Sorry. I got I get really excited talking about babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey guys, thanks for having me here. Um, having both of us here. Uh, I'm Amy. I'm also a birth doula, a donor trained birth doula. I've been doing it for about 10 years now. Um, I do postpartum as well. 
and I'm a yoga instructor, uh, predominantly prenatal. Um, and I'm a student at Sutherland and Chan studying to be a massage therapist. Yay. Almost done. Almost done. So Three close. months away. Drum roll, please. <laughs> um, how do you like school? Was uh, massage therapy uh, school all you thought it was going to be? And more. I had no idea what I was signing up for. It's, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It was a shock to start with, just the intensity, because mm-hmm. it's so much all at once. Yeah. But then it levels out, and it starts to sink in, and you digest it, and you assimilate it, and it becomes understandable And you, when you start to apply it. And it's the, everything that you've sat in class and listened to and read about is starting to come through your hands. Mm-hmm. It's the best feeling in the world, really. It's pretty amazing. Awesome. So once you're done school, do you plan to start seeing a lot of massage clients? Are you going to incorporate this at Doula Care Journey? What's, oh, what's yes. the plan? Yeah, that is the plan. Um, I want to start applying with my own clients and mm-hmm. obviously advertising it on our website and stuff. But yeah, incorporating it into births awesome. before and during and after. Yeah. So you and I essentially are going down the same path, only we started at opposite ends. I started with yeah. the massage piece. I have a lot of prenatal clients and I love treating prenatal clients. And I love afterwards when they come back to me as new moms and they often bring the babies with them. I love that. So now I'm just adding in the piece of actually attending the births and doing the labor support. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so let's start, uh, again, either one of you, let's start sort of at the beginning Um why doula work? What got you interested in this to begin with? We both came from different areas, but um, I started going on uh, in 2014. So, wow, that's been a while, five years. Um, And I just wanted to, I'd had my own baby. I did not have a doula at my birth, but I had a postpartum doula and she made a really big difference and a really big impact on me because it's like you said, you know, they send you home from the hospital with this tiny human with no instructions. And I had no idea. And two days later, my husband went back to work and I had no idea, um, you know, and everybody gave me very um, irrelevant advice, like things like, oh, breastfeeding's pretty natural, and you just put the baby on, it's easy. Oh, yeah, you no know, problem. Babies just sleep all day, it's pretty easy, you know, and it's like, no, it's not, nobody tells you about all the other stuff that comes with it. So having someone there to support you and tell you it's normal, mm-hmm. um, to tell you this is kind of how you can structure your day so that you're not feeling like you're just sitting around in your pajamas crying, you know, that kind of thing. So it was extremely helpful and it really motivated me to to try and seek out and to do that kind of support for, for new moms because it was very... Um, it was it was something that made a, a big impact on my life and I won't ever forget that. I have a question. So again, when I had my first, um, she was born in 2014 and I I knew what the role of a doula was sort of like I had an idea, um, but I had my midwives and there's, you know, two of them. And then I had my husband who obviously I felt pretty confident in since he works in the field. And so I didn't feel like I needed any extra support. So I didn't have a doula. Postpartum doula though. That would have been a thing I was interested in because similar situation. I went home. I had him home for five days and then I was on my own. How did you come to find out about this? I didn't even know that was a thing that you could get somebody afterwards. Um, I was very lucky. I had midwives as well. Mm -hmm. And they actually at one of my 
prenatal appointments, they said, have you got a plan for when the baby arrives? And I'm like, yeah, I got diapers. I got swaddles. I'm good. You know, I've got a crib. I'm ready to go. And she was like, no, 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 like support. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I mean, how hard is it? I have a cat. (laughs) That's the same. It's it's like slightly harder than a cat. Like, it's not even as hard as a dog. You don't have to walk the baby unless you want to. <laughs> so, you know, and they, they were like, okay, no, no, no. You you need somebody who can come in and just sort of help you out. Like, and I was like, like, she'll clean my house? You know, I, like a cleaning lady? And they said, no, no, postpartum doula, look it up. Go to this website, look it up, talk to, they didn't recommend a specific person, but they sort of just sort of pushed me in the direction of a specific person okay. um, because I don't think legally they can really make recommendations. But anyway, so I called up this person and she said, yeah, absolutely. And I had no idea what she was going to do, but she made, um, she made me feel more normal. And that was really huge. Like she made me not yeah. feel alone. Like I was not the only person in the world struggling with a new baby. That is so super important. I I try to, without scaring all of my soon-to-be new mom friends, because I've got a whole bunch of people around me right now that are about to be moms, I don't want to be the person that tells the horror stories because I can't stand that either. Once you're pregnant, everybody wants to tell you about their horrible stories. Um, so I actually usually tell them about how really honestly uneventful and easy my births were. I mean, easy is probably not the right word, but there was nothing out of the ordinary. This is normal. Does it hurt? Of course it does. It's labor. It's supposed to fucking hurt. So that's that to me doesn't seem like a big issue, right? But um, I do want the message to get across that like, this isn't what people tell you. Like you said, people is, oh, the baby sleeps all day. Oh, you can just take them everywhere. Oh, they adapt so easily. So then when you don't have that baby, when you have the colicky baby, you don't feel like a crazy person. Or when you haven't managed to get out of your pajamas and shower and it's 3.30 p.m., you realize, okay, that's normal. That's, it's totally fine. And I wish that somebody had maybe prepared me a little bit more for that part. So I think all the education is around labor and birth, right? Yes. So all the prenatal education and they talk about the three trimesters of pregnancy and then you go through labor and birth, but they forget to talk about the fourth trimester, Mm -hmm. which is when you have the baby and those three months postpartum. Right. At least three months, because that's really the transition phase where everybody's life has changed so drastically. And it takes that amount of time to get into a rhythm in the new family mm-hmm. and for the baby to adjust and for the parents to adjust to like the new life and stuff. And then the picnic is maybe on the other side of that fourth <laughs> trimester. Well, it's so. funny, too, because everybody always talks about or jokes about, you know, the hormonal pregnant woman. You don't know hormones until you're in the fourth trimester and now you're trying to deal with the hormones and the mood swings and all the stuff before, but with a screaming baby. So yeah, I think having somebody there to make you feel like a human is super important. Mm-hmm. And that's why as well, even with birth doula support, if we have clients that really just want us for birth and labor, which is wonderful, of course, as well, um, we always include a postpartum visit, mm-hmm. always, just mm-hmm. to get them on the right start just to help them with that transition, you know? Okay, I have to ask, because I'm really curious. I've been there for two of them, like there for two of them. What the hell makes you want to do this as a job? (laughs) 
I, 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 I don't to have to live with your baby. <laughs> I need to know. Like, cause it was, I need to know. I got, I found out about this work through a friend of mine who had just become a doula. Um, she'd had her first, her first was two, and she was telling me about this work. And I was just getting shivers. The hair on my arm started to stand up. And I went home and I read about it and I researched it and I just went, boom, straight to the course. It just sparked something in me. I wanted to know more and I wanted to be there. Like the idea of being able to support a woman through that. Do you have children? Yeah, I just wanted to follow that. No, I don't. Do you want children? I used to want children. When did it, when did it change? Talk to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it did not change from going to births, that's for sure. Um, it Probably in the last three years, I'm 43 now. So I've just gotten to this point where I can't see myself having them at this age or beyond. I know you still can mm-hmm. and women do and props to them. Absolutely. But um, no, I've just gone down a different path. No, I'm with you. That's, I mean, that's a very personal choice. I have friends who purposely had children early because they, they thought that's what was best for their lifestyle. I personally didn't want any kids until after 30, so I waited until I was after 30. And um, I have some friends who are having kids into their 40s. I always felt like, yeah, if I my kids, I wanted them between like 30 and 35. And then after that, I'm like, mm, we'll see how I feel. So I turned 35 this year and I'm on the fence about a third. Wow. Because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Do I want to start this all over again? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's such a personal decision for sure. But, but going back to your question, Mark, about why yeah. um, I'm a little bit more, I didn't have the hair standing up, but it's, for me, a lot of it is going back to, um, you know, sort of almost like a lost society thing that we've, we used to have that women used to have birth surrounded by other women, and being around uh, the birthing person and making it almost into a very into a very safe space. And I feel like with today's modern society, um, although the medical advances have been fantastic, and, uh, you know, maternal mortality has really dropped, which is great. Um, but we've lost a little bit of that touch. We lost the we've village. Lost, we've mm-hmm. lost that village. Like, there's no, everybody always says it takes a village. I'm sorry, I have two kids. Where the fuck is my village? <laughs> you have to hire your village now. That's yeah. but, but, the, but the fact that at least there is that available mm-hmm. can really make a difference. And I was, what, what really surprised me was the statistics on doulas and how having a doula can statistically shorten your labor. It can statistically reduce the incident of cesarean sections. Does it prevent it? Absolutely not. Uh, because I've attended C-sections as a doula, um, you know, and, and can we fix everything? No, we never claim that that's a claim. But what we can do is give information. We can empower with information and mm-hmm. we can help with support because when you are supported through a birth and you are given the information so that you can make an informed choice that is the parent's choice, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Do you attend more births uh, where the mother is uh, delivering with an OB or a midwife, or is it kind of split 50-50? Here for me, it's more um, hospital OB. That's what I would have thought, because again, I felt like my midwives, not that they, you know, not that midwives and doulas are the same in any way, but I felt like I had enough support with the two midwives and the fact that they stay with you. You know, like, you know that they're going to be with you the entire time. I, I don't know. I felt like, okay, I don't necessarily need to have a doula. Like I said, I didn't know a postpartum doula was a thing when I had my kids or that would have been happening. So who do you prefer to 
I know you really can't answer this, or you don't want to answer this. Would you prefer to be at a birth with a midwife, or would you prefer to be at a birth with an OB? In my experience, yeah. I definitely go with a midwife. Tell me but why. It's part of we work so much more similarly mm-hmm. than OBs do, and also when you go into a hospital setting where the couple is having their birth with an OB from the hospital Mm -hmm. or an OB, you're under the hospital protocol. Mm -hmm. It's a strict protocol. Um, So tell me what this is, because I have no idea. I've I've only been around with the midwife situation, so that's all I know. And to me, that was like the most relaxing atmosphere ever. I'm like, this is what it's, this is not what I saw on TV. Where's my mask? Where's my, where's my gown? Where's this? I'm like, no, that didn't happen with this midwife situation. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Before you guys answer this, you should have seen the look on his face when I'm fully in labor, like active labor, contractions one on top of the other. And the midwife is chilling on her laptop in the, <laughs> the corner of the room. And he's the only one with me. And he's like, uh, isn't she supposed to be doing something? I'm like, what's she going to do? Like, I'm, I'm just having contract. What is she going to do? She's just going to sit there until I'm actually ready to give birth. And he was like, whoa, like, this is cool. She just sat there on her laptop. In so the what are the, the differences? Because I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what it would be like that, with an OB. That's actually one of the differences. Midwives can sit on their hands and wait. But in a hospital scenario, they're much more, um, they're, they're always doing something. They're always checking on something. They're always, they're they're much more active, but it's because within that protocol, not active, that's not the right word. They they just have a very long checklist of things that they need to get done in order to complete the birth record. Okay. So in terms of paperwork, and that falls to the nurses, you, you won't actually see your doctor at a hospital birth if you're with an OB. They will come in, check on you once, maybe twice in labor, and then they'll come to catch the baby. That's about it. So would I have been able to do what I did in the birth of our two children if you had no B? You should first tell everyone who's listening what what you did. (laughs) What did I do? I don't know. I held your legs open. You'd be able to do that. And I was, and I was, I was baby. there to, to to catch our baby. You would not be able to do that. All the good stuff. You cut the cord. <laughs> did no. you? Did you cut the cord yep. with both kids? Yep. The things I don't remember. <laughs> it happens very quickly. It's yeah. I what I do remember actually. You guys will appreciate this from the first birth. So my first midwife. I it was. <sighs> She was two different people. When I would go for my like regular visits with her, she seemed a little bit cold. That's not really the right word. She wasn't cold. She was just very um, medical. Like that's how she was at our our visits. Whereas my secondary midwife seemed like very relaxed. Like she would tell me to come 15 minutes early. She's like, we can have a tea. Like she was super like friendly and warm and Anyway, and then when it was time for the birth, the very medical midwife suddenly became much more nurturing and comforting. And I was like, whoa, like, who are you? And the other one became the super medical. Anyway, after the birth, the I think it was the the friendlier one said to us, do you guys want to see the placenta? And I just, I just said, yeah, I don't know. I'm holding a new baby. I wasn't really paying. I said, yeah, no problem. And apparently then Mark got an entire like 20 minute demonstration as they held up the placenta <laughs> and showed him each part and what what everything does and how it looks like a tree. And Thanks for that, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> 
you're like, yeah, sure, let's hear about it. I'm like, no, let's not. It's okay. (laughs) And now she's completely tuned out to you because you're in mother mode with your new baby. (laughs) So now she's just talking to me and I really don't have much of an interest, but now I have to sit there and kind of pretend like I'm really interested in what's going on. (laughs) Did your midwives ask you if you wanted to keep it? Well, uh, the question, the way they phrased it to me, they said, what's your plan for your placenta? I'm like, excuse you? (laughs) What do you mean? They're like, well, you know, some people take it home and they plant it um, and they plant like the tree of life or, you know, you can have it encapsulated. You know, they gave me all these options. And I was like, so if I don't have a plan for the placenta, does it just go in like biohazard waste? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with that. I, I don't I don't want it. I don't, I'm good. How many people say, yeah, I want to take it? Probably a lot. Uh, well, we offer placenta encapsulation and the only reason we launched it was because we were getting asked. Really? Like high numbers are we talking yeah. about here? Um, I would say it's predominantly with midwifery clients and yeah. it's predominantly people that um, have done a lot of reading have, about they've it. They've either done a lot of reading about it or it might be a second or third pregnancy yeah. and they suffered from postpartum anxiety and depression. Mm. And then so there is anecdotal evidence that placenta encapsulation and taking placenta pills can help you with that. So you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, mm-hmm. but what are your actual thoughts on the research with placenta encapsulation. How do you feel about it? My honest and evidence-based answer is that the studies are inconclusive at this point. Mm -hmm. We are doing this based on anecdotal evidence. Right. But having said that, when we do do it for clients, we prepare it in the client's home. There, It's always done um, that way just to ensure because we do not want any mix-ups. You do not want to be ingesting someone else's placenta. No, um, I don't want to be ingesting my own. So I no. definitely don't want to be ingesting somebody so, else's. Um, and it's all, it's all done in view of the client. Um, the, the kind of bonus of the way that we set it up is it's because if they're home with the baby and if you're with a midwife, you know, you go home quite, quite soon, um, is that we always throw on a postpartum consultation okay as well just once we're done you know we it's a two-day process we'll sit with you you know and and talk about the new baby and so and so but it's it's interesting the placenta clients that i've had have tended to be second time mums yeah i have a friend who has a six-month-old baby and i only found out um probably the last time she came for a treatment that she has placenta pills this time but she didn't the first time so For people listening who maybe don't have a very solid understanding of what the role of a doula is, can you kind of go through the whole thing, like the prenatal, the labor support, and the postpartum, like how you would describe to people what your role is in all of these stages? Before I answer that question, can I just go back and clarify that when I said midwives sit on their hands, I didn't mean that they don't do anything. (laughs) I, do, I really didn't mean that they don't do anything. I didn't take anything. it that way at all. I actually took it as Just like want to clarify they're, that to they're the patient world. because yes. the one and only book I read while I was pregnant because I couldn't handle the what to expect and all that. The one and only book I read was um, the Ina May. What, what's the name of the book? Help guide me. to Childbirth? Yes. Ina, Ina May's, May's guide, guide to Childbirth. Childbirth. Yes. Ina the May's pink guide one. To, yes. yes. It was the only book I read. And reading that made me realize how much simpler labor and delivery is than what, like as Mark said, what you see on TV or what the medical community makes you believe. It's like suddenly treated like this trauma when like, it doesn't have to be. Sure, things can happen. And sure, Mm -hmm. there's people who don't have the uncomplicated labor and delivery stories that I had. But 
it doesn't have to be a trauma or it shouldn't be a trauma. Mm-hmm. And so I am, um, anyway, I, I just, I took your comment to mean like, you know, the midwives can kind of just chill knowing that unless there's a reason for me to intervene, let mom do her thing. And I appreciated that so much. I'm not somebody that wants somebody like over me the entire time and, and doing things like just, yeah. you know, let me lay here in horrible, excruciating pain by myself. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think just to Not add to that. Everybody wants to be seen in that yeah. situation. Well, right? well, just to add to that too, the difference is when, you have a, when you're with an OB, your nurse is really the one who's taking care of you as a patient, but you might not be her only patient. She might have a couple of other patients on the right. floor, on the go. She might be concerned she's, she's got to take her break. She, you know, she's a unionized employee. She deserves her two breaks and her lunch. She know, has to know that she's going on break. She has to know that the other nurse is going to cover her clients or her patients while she's on her break. Um, she knows her shift is going to end at a certain time. Whereas with a midwife, they know that they are there for you. Mm-hmm. So why the hell do most people not use midwives? Because people are afraid not to have doctors. The number of people, a lot of my family members I mean, included, you, who thought I was crazy. But you can have a midwife in your delivery in a hospital. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that, though. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because anytime I did tell certain people that I didn't have an OB and that I had a midwife... They immediately said, so you're having your baby at home because they think midwife equals home birth when really midwife can equal home birth, can equal birth center, can equal hospital. It's still your birth. You Mm -hmm. can do what you want. Just somebody's delivering the baby. That's not an OB. I think also um, it isn't clear to a lot of people what the difference is. And so OBs are seen seen as doctors Mm -hmm. and midwives are not seen that way as practitioners as they are. Mm-hmm. So people don't understand that they are safe with a midwife having a birth because it. midwives are trained. I get it as a massage therapist. It's like the physio to massage therapy. I Now I get it. Yes. yes. Well, even, I don't know if you recall this, um, I'm getting a little graphic on the podcast, but I had to get stitches in my first birth. And Mark was just beside himself that it was the midwife doing the stitches. He didn't know that like, you know, he's like, oh, so they're like really medically trained. I'm like, yeah, anything surrounding labor and delivery, other than if I had to have had a C-section, she can do it. I felt perfectly safe. And I was so happy to have such, as he said, it actually was very relaxed. And I mean, as much pain as I, (laughs) as labor and delivery as it was, a very pleasant experience both times. It was not traumatic. I didn't feel like there was chaos. It was very calm. And that has a huge impact on how you labor Mm -hmm. and can on the length of your labor and the outcome of the birth. Mm -hmm. All right. So back to the initial question, which was starting from whenever the client first calls you, what is your role during all of these different stages? The process and the role is from the first call, we organize an interview, mm-hmm. a meeting, and then we have that. It's usually about an hour. It's usually at the couple's home. And it's kind of answering this question for them that you've just asked us, right? Um, so we start with two prenatal visits um, before 36 weeks is ideal usually happens in the third trimester because just naturally a lot of um, you guys might be able to attest to this but in the third trimester couples are starting to go okay let's get ready for this let's um, you know read some stuff take some stuff in see what the labor is going to be like start learning about what we're going to do through the labor, that kind of stuff. So yeah, so the prenatal visits are about an hour 
an hour and a half each. And we're going through the different phases of labor. They're education sessions, okay. but also an opportunity to get to know your doula better and how we can work together as a team through the labor. We also will cover, um, usually on the second prenatal, we'll cover a little bit of postpartum stuff. So what should you have on hand for when you come home? Mm-hmm. So make sure that you have you know, we always like to recommend padsicles for healing. We always recommend a freezer full of food just so you don't have to worry about cooking. That was the best thing I ever did. Of course, now we have skipped the dishes and Uber Eats. So, you know, you've, you've got, yeah. on, you've got that going as well, you know, but just making sure that you've got that maybe, maybe have planned to have a cleaning lady come in for the first month, mm-hmm. just so you don't have to worry about the house. You know, things that people would typically not think a doula would think of, but, you know, even stuff like what happens if I go into labor at three in the morning and the hospital door is closed? Do I have to go in through emergency? It's full of germs and stuff. Like, how do we do this? Like logistical stuff. Mm-hmm. Where do I park my car? When do I call the doula? Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it's practical as well. Okay. So, I mean, the prenatal visits are education, getting to know each other and trying to figure out, I guess, from the couple is what level of involvement for you actually in the delivery room. Can right? I ask you guys a question about that? Have you ever met with a couple and and they've they've gone a different route or they're like, um, I don't think I'm into this? Or is it the majority of the people that end up contacting you guys and you end up doing your initial meets, they're, they end up being clients? More often than not, they end up being clients. I do occasionally go to an interview where they sort of say in the interview or at the end of it, we're just um, curious about what a doula mm-hmm. does and what you can offer us. And we're sort of trying to decide if we want to go this route. Do you ever feel like in those moments you can pinpoint like the times when they got turned off by the idea? Or is it not one of those things? It's just you just go there with the information at the end of it. They're kind of like, okay, well, we'll let you know or thanks for the information. Or is it ever like as you're speaking, you can kind of see them like maybe this is not for us. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, that's, that's happened I to me. I, I think it's more because they have a misconception of what doulas do. Um, and one of the biggest misconceptions that I find is they think that we can advocate for them in the hospital. Yeah, yes. You've got to be my champion, you know? And I can, I remember her sitting in an interview and she was like, you know, I'm going to be in labor and I'm probably not going to be able to speak up. And I think my husband's shy and he's going to be too freaked out. And so I need you to, when the nurse wants to give me X, Y, Z, that you stand up and say, no, she doesn't want that. And when I told her that ethically and, you know, by our, by the the rules of our certifying organization, we cannot do that. That's not what doulas do. We don't speak for the client. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, we know their wishes because we've discussed it. But as you know, in labor, things can change from moment to moment. Mm -hmm. What seemed like an awesome idea three weeks ago when you're in labor is maybe not a great idea anymore. Or maybe you've completely changed your mind. I mean, that's that's one that we see quite a bit as well. So, I mean, I can tell you, even myself, I was with my midwife and I'm like, I'm having a natural home birth and this is my plan. Mm-hmm. And the midwives were like, that's cool. And then what, when it came down to brass tacks, I was like, get me the epidural. I just <laughs> want an epidural. I want the meds. All, yeah, it's so funny because you, you can say all of these things, but I think the most important thing and what I hope when I eventually do start doing labor support and doula work is I hope that I can sort of give my clients the enough knowledge to just keep an open mind. Like, I'm so happy that you have a birth plan, but you cannot be rigid about this because I've heard this so many times where people have this idea of how it's going to go and then it just doesn't. I was adamantly, adamantly against um, induction 
with my first. And so, you know, when it got to, I guess, seven days overdue, my midwife said, so like, how you feeling? And I mean, at this point, I'd been three centimeters dilated since my due date, but nothing was happening. And it was so, what do you want to do? And I kept saying, no, no, give me more time. Give me more time. And I was doing all of the things, you know, all the old wives tales, whatever that to get this big, you know, spicy food, walking, somebody said (laughs) pineapple, like anything. I was trying everything that was safe. Right. And uh, I said to her, okay, when is it not safe for me to keep this baby inside? And she said, um, once it goes beyond 14 days, we're going to have to give you an ultrasound daily. I'm like, well, that sounds like a pain in the ass. So fine. Let's schedule the induction for 14 days. And if I haven't gone into labor by then, fine. I will happily come to the hospital and get induced. And she did not come. So I did have to go get induced. But I was so against getting induced. But I knew like, if it comes to that, it comes to that, right? Yeah, that's a big piece of the prenatals is preparing you for any eventuality. Mm -hmm. So we don't only talk about the natural side of birth. We also talk about the options for medical. Mm -hmm. But even more key than that is that you do have options. You don't have to go directly to one thing. Like you said, you tried a bunch of different things. So yeah, we talk about that in the prenatals. And the idea is just preparing for any eventuality, whatever route it could take Mm -hmm. and supporting you through those different eventualities if they come up. And it's important to clarify that we never override what a medical provider will suggest. Of course. Right. But that's, again, another misconception. And that's something that going back to your question mark about how when you know sometimes the interview is going to turn and we're we're not what they expected because sometimes they think we can override a doctor and I'm like um no like I didn't go to medical school <laughs> like I'm there to support you I'm there to support not you. tell the doctor how to do his job are there ever times when you're there at a birth and you're like oh I would just do this so differently doctor <laughs> That these these grins are your answer. That's a, that's a very loaded question. Yeah, it's so loaded. Because you have we'll to... Fire the gun. Let's hear it. We're not you have doctors. To be very diplomatic. We're very, not medical professionals. Diplomatic. We didn't go to medical school. You know, OBs go to school for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not qualified to make that call. Um, but what we are qualified to do is to listen and support our clients. Mm-hmm. And do we think we would have done something differently? Um, you know, when I was a very green doula, I would have said yes. But now that I'm more seasoned, I would say no, because I, I really don't have that relevant experience. You know what? And this is interesting. And you'll appreciate this as RMTs too. I have my holistic practitioner's license. And this is actually kind of funny because um, when Amy said she was going back to school to be RMT, I said, oh, that's perfect. Because I stopped giving massages because I was not an RMT mm-hmm. and I did not feel qualified to be giving these massages, even though I took a two week course on how to do Thai yoga massage, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like, you know what, I don't really know enough about anatomy to truly do this with confidence. And I don't want to put anybody in a situation where they're uncomfortable or I could aggravate an injury. So I actually dropped, we actually dropped it from the service menu. And then, so when Amy said, oh, I'm going back to be an RMT, I'm like, oh, amazing. We can add <laughs> massage back, <laughs> but with a qualified person. Um, so, I mean, that's the thing, right? And and so I would, qualification, and it's like this, because you know that some people say, hey, well, I, I went to this massage place. I saw it on Groupon, mm. right? It was $30. Why do you charge what you charge? Mm-hmm. It's like, because the person who's charging $30 on Groupon did a two-week course, probably. Right. And, and so 
So level of expertise is really important. And I think the important clarification is we're not medical professionals, but we might know a little bit more about the psychology and a Mm -hmm. little bit more about the emotional Mm -hmm. support. Well, and like you said, you are not there to advocate for, uh, for the parents, but you can empower them to make sure they understand that they have choices. Because I do know, I mean, I I don't, I'm not going to say anything negative about OBs or doctors, just like in any profession, there's really great ones. And there's maybe ones who are not so great, especially when it comes to bedside manner sometimes. (laughs) And I think having a doula there to be able to remind the parents, like, just because this cranky doctor is trying to push you this way, you don't have to and giving, giving the choices. So not necessarily telling cranky doctor no but letting the parents know that they can do you guys have like a a secret list of cranky doctors where you're like oh man this person's with this i'm gonna stop talking (laughs) okay but when they walk in the room that moment is like you really you take a deep breath and you go okay here we go Mm. i'm gonna be on my best behavior i'm not gonna say anything it, what makes you, a doctor get onto that secret list? We love everybody. What <laughs> secret list? What secret list? No, okay. We, we don't have a so, secret list. No, okay. But I was at a backyard barbecue when I was very, very pregnant with my first. And sitting at my table was... Um, a labor and delivery nurse. And she didn't know that I had a midwife. She didn't she didn't really know anything about me. I barely knew her. But she started talking about how she can't stand the doulas and this and this and going on about uh, just basically all of the things I wanted for my birth. Like she was eye rolling at the women who don't want epidurals. She's like, why be a martyr? And I was like, uh, I don't think it's anything about being a martyr. I don't want a giant fucking needle in my spine. How about that? <laughs> so... Um, so I know that there are some medical professionals that are not on board with doulas. Do you guys ever get that negative experience or are the doctors and nurses and all the hospital staff usually pretty good with you? For the most part, they're pretty good. Awesome. But you can sense, definitely, mm. you can sense that energy. Perfect example, they introduce themselves to everybody else in the room and they don't introduce themselves to you. Like you're no longer a person? You're not there. So oh. you introduce yourself and you start the the uh, dynamic off to a good start. But wow, that is that is hierarchy at its finest. It is. I'm not even going to introduce myself to you. You are not even a person in this room because I don't subscribe to your philosophy on birth. But the best part is when by the end of it, they're pretty intrigued by what you've done in the room. And that's what I look at it as. Every opportunity when you get somebody like that is an opportunity to turn it around because chances are Mm -hmm. they form that opinion because they have had a bad experience. And there are rogue doulas out there, you know? (laughs) I mean, I hate hate to use that term, but it's true. There are rogue doulas who will do things that are... um, Maybe outside of their scope. A little bit. Yeah, they'll be practicing outside of scope and things like like that. I heard of a doula that was removing IVs from the client's arm. Stop it. Yeah. Um, I had... I heard of one who stole a placenta. What? Because they, the hospital wanted to send it to pathology, which meant it couldn't be encapsulated, and her client wanted encapsulation. So she stole it. That's like a movie. Oh my yeah. God. But, 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 I'm laughing over It's not funny, but I'm laughing because I'm like, what would possess you? Like, what makes you think that that is a good idea? Because she was going to lose money from, uh, from the, the service. She can't charge her client for the encapsulation. 
violation. So possibly get fined or like have she to got spend banned. a night in jail. Or, yeah, lose lose the ability to even do this work yeah, because she, you're she, stealing. She it. got banned from the hospital. And the other thing is too, you can't transport human organs. I was right. about Without to say that's like medical waste. You can't just walk out no. with that in your backpack. That's like, why we always tell f- our clients we give them a cooler and they do it themselves. That is because the if it's most your own, ridiculous thing you can I've ever do heard. It legally, if it's your own, because okay. it's yours. It came out of your body, right? Right. But if you have some random doula taking it, like, can you imagine if a cop pulled me over? Oh, I just got a placenta. <laughs> just got a placenta back there. Yeah, so no, crazy. no big deal. Sounds yeah. like an urban myth, right? No. <laughs> the but, doula that stole the placenta. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, you know, uh, this was in Kitchener, apparently. Okay. So anyway, it's but pretty the, the point is, they've had bad experiences. Right. They've had bad, ex- or, or, you know, they've had the nurse will come in and suggest something and the doula will say something like, you don't have to listen to the nurse. Now, imagine as a professional how you would feel, right? Yeah, and the thing is, as a doula and as a nurse, I mean, yeah, we have to put the the onus on both. You both are there for the patient. You both should be working together. And a doula saying something like that, like, oh, you don't have to, in front of the nurse, that's just disrespectful. She's a professional as well, or he, I shouldn't keep saying she, he or she is also a professional. They know what they're doing. This is not their first rodeo. So if you're going to be disrespectful as the doula, then yeah, maybe that's why you're getting such disrespect from the medical staff. So changing perspectives is an important part of what we do. And and that's that's a great feeling when you leave a birth that, you know, the, when the nurse was like pleasantly surprised. That's yeah. that's great. Or when they ask you for your opinion or a suggestion, like what do you think would work really well right now? Mm-hmm. How do you think they, what position do you think would help them out right now? Because working together on beha- on. To, to give the best experience to the birthing person, that's the greatest outcome. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it's that's, not about that's the doulas. dream. <laughs> it's not about doulas versus hospital, doulas right. versus doctors. It's about how can we work together to make this a good experience? Who's generally more accepting? Younger younger doctors and nurses or older? It's all over the place. Yeah. In my all opinion. In it my is experience. kind of all over the place. But in my experience, I find the older ones, mm-hmm. especially the nurses, because you don't see the, the OB for very long. Right. They're, they're not there long at all. But with the nurses who have more experience, they tend to be a little more accepting. Yeah, I yeah. find not all, but generally. The nurse that uh, that was not a fan of doulas at this barbecue that I was at was very young, like yeah, probably younger than me. And uh, she, yeah, she just had nothing nice to, oh, I don't even get her started on midwives. She had nothing nice to say about anything that, as I said, it was, it, for me, that, that just made total sense. I was like, yeah, but they're there to support and, you know, keep the mom comfortable. And to me, it made tons of sense. But she was like, oh, they just get in the way and they have all these crazy ideas. And she kept referring to like doulas and midwives as hippies. And I'm like, biggest hippie in the world right here. Like, <laughs> what are you, what are you saying over there? You know what I think needs to happen or what it boils down to is this educational piece as well, again, because not all nurses know what we're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe at some point we all need to get together and go like, look, this is what we do. Oh man, you're going to relate to this so much as an RMT. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. We've discussed this many times. RMTs get that as well. Like doctors- it's like the parallel universe. Doctors are- very quick to send somebody to physio if they have any sort of soft tissue musculoskeletal problem it's always physio 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 
and they don't even consider us at all. Um, we, I, I actually, I discussed this before, but so you can understand this relatable piece. Um, I had a guy come to me, he was young, like probably 20, between 20 and 23, and he had had a knee injury. He had been in physio for two months and wasn't getting much improvement. So he came to me because his aunt was actually a client of mine. So came to me, I think three times in the span of two weeks. And on the fourth visit, he was like, oh my God, like I can walk up and down stairs. I don't have pain. Like he was so happy with, you know, the progress we had made in a couple of weeks. And he had been in the physio for two months. And I'm not saying his physiotherapist wasn't doing a good job. It was just, I had a different approach. And then when his caseworker, because he was actually on short-term disability from work because of this injury, um, they needed to fill out forms. So he brought me the forms because I'd been the one treating him. Right on the top of them, it said physiotherapist report. And I said to him, you know, you really got to contact your caseworker. I have a feeling they're not going to be accepting of me filling out these forms. And so... He asked me to speak to the caseworker and I did. And her exact words to me were, if he's seeking massage therapy, he's obviously recovered. He's supposed to be in physiotherapy trying to improve his strength and range of motion. Like, well, shit, what have I been doing with him for two weeks? (laughs) You're going to love this one. So I had actually, I had a problem, uh, pinched a nerve in my neck, went to my doctor and I said, because of the way my insurance coverage is, um, I needed a medical note in order to get massage therapy mm-hmm. uh, covered by insurance. He goes, you don't need massage therapy. I'm like, ah, uh, I have a pinched nerve in my neck and I don't think you can help me. He goes, well, you, you need to see a physiotherapist. He goes, look, I'll write you the note for physiotherapy and I'll put massage therapy on there too, just because I don't want you back here. But you know, my recommendation as your doctor is to go to the physiotherapist. So I make the appointment with the physio. About 20 minutes into the conversation, she goes, have you been seeing a massage therapist? I said, "Um, no, but my doctor wrote it on the note. She goes, yeah, you need to see a massage therapist. I can help you. But massage therapists also do different things. And I think it would work really well in conjunction with what the exercises I'm showing you if you went and got massage therapy. I want to know who this physio is and give them a hug. She's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're they're in Leslieville. So yeah. Mend physio, they're fabulous. Awesome, um, and they have actually RMTs that work on site. Yeah, I mean, in conjunction, of, as you said, like you, the doulas, working with the OBs, the midwives, the nurses, like you guys all want to be collaborative to make the best possible experience for the birthing mother. And us as massage therapists, I love to collaborate with physios and chiros and whoever else is treating this patient to help the patient. I don't have an ego this big that says I can do it all. I'm perfectly comfortable referring out. But yeah, doctors, I think, need to get a little more on board with us. They're very quick to send everybody to physio and we're left in the dust. Yeah, my doctor actually didn't think massage therapy was relevant to my situation, which was ridiculous because as soon as I saw the physio, they were like, yeah, you need to add massage therapy. It's education though, as you guys said, because I once had a new client, um, a, a clinic that I used to work at. I had a new a new client one day and he came to see me because he had just moved into the building. He was a medical doctor, just starting a practice. One of his first questions to me was, so as a massage therapist, like, did you study any anatomy? Nope, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly oh the education isn't there. As much as not everybody knows the role of a doula, even <laughs> doctors don't know anything it's about so massage true, therapists. Because yeah. uh, I'm getting a lot of nerve pain in my hands. I've been having nerve pain for the past, I don't know, month and a half or so. And I'm like, I just want an MRI. So I'm going to go to my doctor, who is a nice guy. He's a little he's a little bit of a pushover. In other words, I can walk in there and say- Because he's like, been a doctor for about 10 minutes. Yeah, I can walk in there and say like, hey, I want this. And he'd be like, okay, fine. Or I want these medications. He'd be like, okay, fine. So I went there and, I, and he, I'm like, I, want, I need an MRI. He's 
he's like, well, tell me why you think you need an MRI. And I started telling him using like, you know, normal medical anatomical terminology. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to stop. You need to stop Googling. I'm like, what? (laughs) He's like, what you're telling me doesn't make sense. You need to stop Googling. And I'm like, no, dude, it makes perfect sense. You need to slow down and just listen to what I'm saying. (laughs) And then after all of this, he's like, yeah, you know, these are these are probably the things that are going on with you. No problem. Here's the MRI. Yeah, I said that 10 minutes ago, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. yeah. Col- collaboration is the way of the future. Now, the interesting thing is knowing that RMTs are regulated, right? Because you guys are writing exams and you are doing testing and it's a very stringent process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the p- thing with doulas, and this is probably why some doulas get a bad rap as well, is because we are not regulated. Mm-hmm. So I can go and not have any training and not have any experience and have never been to a birth and have never given birth and I can hang out my shingle and say I'm a doula. Yeah. So tell me this then. Is there is there an association? There is. Okay. The Association of Ontario Doulas but you don't have to join. Right. We're That's members. most associations. Because we're on board and we're on side and it also carries liability insurance mm-hmm. as we were speaking about this before you came in about how there are different um different ways to get certified but as jen said you don't actually have to get certified to be a doula mm-hmm. so th- this is where the confusion came in this first birth that i'm going to be attending very soon i keep looking at my phone because literally it can be any minute um she is a certified doula or she's in the process like i think she's attended her three births she's doing the things she's becoming certified and when she found out that uh, the course I'm taking is much shorter and I guess much less intensive than she did because I'm already at RMT. I already have the anatomy background. I, I'm not doing this full intensive thing that she did. She was just shocked. Like, what do you mean? You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You do- it's unregulated. So, I mean, in my case, I feel pretty confident that I can I can do this work. But it is scary to think that just like personal training, pretty much anyone could just decide one day, like, I'm a personal trainer. Well, yeah, but that's the whole point of having associations or some sort of, you know, governing body to Mm -hmm. kind of regulate the profession that's not regulated, right? That's the idea. So I'm curious about the doula education. So it's the courses that you take, are they associated, are they somehow linked with the association? In other words, the association is like, okay, membership to our association because it's an easier path because you have education from here or from here or from here. Yes. In order to be a member of the association, you need to have taken training from certain approved right. trainers. Because there's a lot of people that just hang out a shingle and say, yeah, I'm a doula sure. trainer. I can train you. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, I, I have four kids, so I'm qualified. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I mean, and that's another big myth that I want to bust: that you have to have kids to be a doula. Oh, because that is ridiculous. Well, Amy's myth. been doing this for what a decade. Uh, a Amy decade. has way more experience than me. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I have yeah. kids, and I would never be a good doula. So <laughs> let's look at it from the other way. There's a male doula though out in Nova Scotia, the first and he's an one. RM, and he's an RMT. Oh yeah, I feel like you would be a fantastic doula. I honestly, Man, I've been to two births. I'm, so I'm good. so biased. I'm so I'm biased. Of course, you don't remember what that my husband. That tub looked like after our second daughter. I'm good. Okay, I'm good. It wasn't a pretty scene. It wasn't. I'm was... going to make it sound worse than it. No, I'm going to make it sound exactly. Why are you making this face? You're like, because I know what you're going to say. And he, by the way, before he tells this story, I'll let you know he said this to my very pregnant friend the other day. <laughs> like, way to scare the shit out I didn't of somebody mean who's to about scare. to get I was just making it. Tell, I was just tell trying, them how you described the tub. I was trying to tub. describe the scene post birth. Have you guys ever seen Scarface? I don't know if I've seen that movie. No, oh. I don't think I have. I know what. It, I know. I know what Scarface is. Yeah, so there's 
there's a scene. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it then. D- yeah, maybe not. <laughs> this is Scarface. What's, what's the rating on this podcast? Is it PG or PG-13? Absolutely not. It's okay. It's far from it. Yeah, no, it, it definitely wasn't a pretty scene afterwards. But what so I was starting to say I, I before you got disgusting is I was really, really impressed with how Mark handled everything. Like he kind of was able to read when like I wanted him close or when I wanted him to back off or when, you know, I needed somebody to put some pressure on my back or my head. Like he was really good at understanding that. Although afterwards he told me like I had no idea what the hell was going on. But in the moment he seemed to be understanding what I needed and when I needed him to just go away and not say anything. That speaks a lot about the bond that you guys have. Absolutely. (laughs) Cute. She did give me this look though with our first daughter at some point and her face just gave me this look that said, I really don't want to fucking do this anymore. Can we just go home? <laughs> like that was the look you gave me. Well, the, uh, with my first, I attempted, I wanted to take hypnobirthing classes. Mm-hmm. And by the time I What's actually, um, well, I didn't get to take the classes, so I won't do a good job at describing it. But by the time I actually sort of got into the mindset of like looking up the courses and whatever, I had just missed one. And the next one was sort of too close to when I was going to give birth. So I decided on my own just to do some reading to understand the concepts. And what I got from it was understanding each phase of labor, which I guess you guys educate your clients, just understanding what's actually happening. And I was trying to sort of be able to visualize it so I could allow my muscles to not fight back. So when the contractions were happening, I was trying to relax everything as much as possible to just let the contraction happen without fighting it, without bracing myself, without holding my breath, and also trying to uh, do other visualizations to take my mind off of the pain. And I actually was pretty successful in doing it the first time. Like I I was actually at one point, Mark said, I don't even think you were mentally here. Like you were somewhere else. And I, I was like, I was doing really good at dealing with the pain. The second time around, I did not use those techniques and I fought every contraction that came to me and made it 7,000 times more painful. You're a natural doula. That's what we do. It's part of what we do. Distraction from the pain, the sensation. And that's why touch is, that's why I'm so excited that you're going to a birth because the power of touch is huge Mm -hmm. in terms of breaking that fear pain cycle when a woman is in labor. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. The fear. It's it's when you're able to understand, like, you know, when you get hurt or sick or whatever, and then as soon as you go to the doctor and you know what's causing the hurt or the sickness, and suddenly you feel a little bit better, you didn't get any better, but now you're not afraid. So that's sort of where I kept going when I was in labor with my first was like, this is normal. This is what this part is supposed to feel like. This is what's happening. And I was able to not resist it and not be scared of it so that it, you know, the pain would ease off a little bit. So yes, it's the fear. And and we're there to kind of reconnect as well, because it's, even if you explain it in a prenatal, once you're in labor, sometimes that just goes out the window mm. and you forget. But that's okay, because we're there to remind you. And we're going to bring you back to that calmer space mm-hmm. so that you can, you can, your body can get on doing with what it needs to get doing and so that the experience is better. Did we even get, sorry, we go on so many tangents. It's my my fault fault all the time. (laughs) It's both of our (laughs) faults. But I get really excited talking about this stuff because as I said, as soon as I was pregnant with my first, I was like, I feel like I missed my calling. Like I want to be a part of delivering babies. I want to work with pregnant women. So once you've done the prenatal visits, now you are at the hospital, you're in the labor and delivery. What are you doing? 
What is your role there? Other than, you know, as you said, letting them know they have choices, what are you actually doing? So many different things. We take our cues from the client yeah. okay. and what their needs are. Um, and it really depends on who they are. I find different people need different things at different times, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, some people need a lot of physical touch. Right. They need a lot of hip squeezes. They need a lot of touch. Um, I, I will often work on the feet doing a little bit of reflexology points on the feet and the hands, um, things like that. Some people don't want to be touched. That was me. Don't touch me. Don't touch yeah. me. But they want someone to talk to them, mm-hmm. to distract them. You know, humor is a really surprising one. You know, I'll say something like, tell me, tell me something funny. Tell me about your first date with your husband. Yeah. Tell, tell me something funny. What's the funniest thing that ever happened? Get them thinking about something else. Yeah. Sometimes it's giving them space. Sometimes it's doing nothing. Yeah. I was going to ask, have mm-hmm. you ever, have you ever been in those scenarios where it's like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I don't, they feel, I feel like they don't even need or want me here. Yeah. I felt that. And then I've realized, well, it's just the fact that, that, that I'm in the room mm. and they know that they can turn to me for something. Right, right. They don't need anything right now. They're good. But at some point, they might need to turn to me for Just something. the comfort yeah. of knowing that it's yeah. there if I need it. Yeah. Well, yeah. we talked about before um, we put the headsets on about a lot of your role being partner support, right? Mm-hmm. Dealing with whoever the mother has brought with them, right? Yeah. And not, not all partners can see what mark you saw in two births. Mm. Sometimes we have to run up behind the partner with the chair just before he goes down. You know, or just that was only in on TV shows, getting him to the right side of the bed so he doesn't have to see everything before it happens. And I made it sound horrible. Like I would go to births all the time. Like I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I just talk a lot of shit here, but (laughs) (laughs) it was it was really cool. But these are real like the real life scenario, you know, where in the prenatals we've discussed, she said, I don't want him. I, I don't want him to see anything when the baby's being born. This is what I was telling Amanda because she's going to a birth. And I'm like, you've only seen this from one angle. Like, you don't know what it's like from different parts of the room. You're right. I don't. I'm excited, though. I'm excited to go. And actually, the the mother has actually requested that from me. We haven't had our first... My first meeting with her, like, as doula is mm-hmm. tomorrow morning. Okay. So, but... In our last conversation, she did say she didn't want her partner seeing any of it. She said, I want him to stay by my head. Yeah. You can be wherever you want, what if he but wants, I don't what want if he him. Because like, I wanted to. You, I, I you want wanted to, to and I, wanted I, and to, I was I comfortable with you doing that. They have both sort of decided as a couple that that's not something either of them want. Okay. So she said, I don't know if in the moment he's going to forget that. She's like, but can you just keep him? At the right place because I don't want him seeing everything. See, that's, that's going crazy on. to me because that to me that's the magic moment. Do you know what I mean? Like that was the magic moment. You described it to me in quite a lot of detail. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the head. Oh, not there anymore. Top of the head. Oh, not there anymore. <laughs> but that was like the glory moment. I don't you got know why the, you wouldn't want. It. You could be a doula. What are you talking about? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Agreed. Me and people don't mix. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really just. Um, um, it's very interesting with partners too. I've had a dad faint. Yeah, that's what I meant. And you got to run yeah. in there yeah. with that chair before he hits the floor. I, I, I didn't. I didn't quite do that. I just sort of. I just sort of helped him up by the shoulders, and I moved him over to the little couch. <laughs> there was a little couch in the room, and I just said, "Sit down, take a deep breath, have a glass of water." And meanwhile, his wife's like, "I'm the one having a baby." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know what it is too, as, as the partner, it's, you're just so helpless. Like there's nothing you can do and you just see your wife or your girlfriend or your partner, whatever this is. And there's just like pain and discomfort and you, you don't know what to do. Right. There's, and there's nothing you really can do other than whatever she wants me to do at this moment. Yeah. Right. So you, you have this moment of helplessness. Absolutely. And there's also that you don't know what you can do and you think it needs to be something way bigger than mm. it really is. And sometimes we just go, would you mind? She needs a glass of water. Yeah. Like she's really dehydrated right now and that's the biggest thing you could do in that moment mm -hmm. kind of thing and that's part of our role so going back to how do we help the partner is that or sometimes we can see and sense that she just needs someone beside her mm -hmm. holding her hand the partner might be like a little freaked out yeah, not sure, sure what he can do and just going over and holding a hand might not cross his mind because it doesn't seem like enough mm -hmm. so the doula jumps in and goes you know what why don't you guys just hang out get close to her by the bed have a chat get excited about your new baby coming hold her hand that's talk awesome. to her I'm gonna step out for a minute yeah that's pretty cool yeah what's the longest labor you've ever attended both of you i've been to it was over 36 hours Whoa. nobody freak out please um not all labors last 36 hours the reason yeah. why i was at a labor that was over six 36 hours was because um i used to work with a midwife so i assisted a midwife when i lived in spain for four years she was like a mentor and uh, she liked to be at births from the get-go. So mm. from the very first contraction and we basically rocked up and we moved into the house until the baby came. Right, right. <laughs> well, actually, we have a friend whose wife was in labor for over 30 hours and she said, thank God for my doula because the doula didn't leave her side from the minute that she went into labor until that baby was there. Yeah. And I mean, even the midwives were switching out, right? You know, like one would go and then, you know, the, they would sort of take turns so that they weren't exhausted. She said the doula never left the entire time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think it was, yeah, something like 36 hours. Yeah. There's a real connection, bond, and trust that's built up. Mm -hmm. um, and in all of my interviews, I'm asked, have you ever missed a birth and do you work with a backup? And absolutely, I always work with a backup or two. But knock on wood, I never want to miss a birth mm -hmm. because you build that bond and you want to be at those births. Right. Don't want to, I've been to two births in a day um, and that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> they were like a month apart. But um, you don't want to miss those births. Right. What about you, Jen? Longest uh, birth? Uh, 28 hours. Um, and I can tell you exactly why. Um, the client was extremely paranoid. It was a second. It was, she was her second baby. Um, her first baby was delivered by C-section, scheduled C-section. Mm -hmm. um, and she really, really wanted to have a vaginal birth. And she had a doctor who was like, if you do not go into labor by this day, you are, we are scheduling your C-section and your C-section is scheduled for this day. Like they already gave her the date mm -hmm. and she was terrified. So she went to the hospital before her scheduled date in the hopes that she would go into labor somehow magically at the hospital. And oh, wow. she called me and I thought, you know, I asked her sort of this, and this is what happens when they call us is we will go through some questions and we will talk to the client because sometimes it's a false start. Yeah. You know, it's not always the real thing. Right. So we, we talked to them and we've learned to listen to inflection and voices and, and to ask certain questions to know, you know, but uh, she was terrified. 
And I could tell she was terrified. So I went. Um, but this is interesting going to, to what Amy said about a backup. I actually did call my backup at that point because I was exhausted. And I was at, at I'm actually, I actually now feel terrible about calling the backup because I called the backup at hour 24 and she had her baby four hours later. So I should have hung in, but I was dying. I was so tired. And mm-hmm. the problem with that is I would not have been good when she had to push because I was so tired and I wasn't giving 100% to my client. Mm-hmm. And the integrity is a very important part of our job as well. Like nobody benefits from having a doula that is falling asleep in a chair yeah. that is swaying on her feet about to pass out. I'm actually scared of this, to be honest with you. Like I don't know what to expect. I've Yes, I've had two kids, but my two kids came relatively quick. One was 12 hours. One was, what, less than five? It was, they were really pretty quick. And I thought about that. Like, what if she's in labor for like two days? Am I going to be able to keep alert yes. and do this for two days? Because this is so new to you and it's super exciting. You're going to have the massive adrenaline rush and you will you will be up. I mean, I guess sure. I've had the training with a colicky newborn of not sleeping for days on end. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll be fine. <laughs> And, and you and you will be yeah. being a new doula, but once you exactly. start to do it on a regular basis, and you're doing you're routine. doing a roster of four, six, eight clients a month, yep. you can't. And that's why backup is so essential. If I am at a very super long birth, I can call Amy and go, Amy, I've been here 24 mm-hmm. hours. I'm starting to fade. Please come in for five hours or six hours so I can go home, get some sleep, and then I'll come back. Right. And so there's always somebody with the client. So actually for, for quite a, uh, a while, um, and we still do sometimes, we'll, we'll both meet. It's almost like the midwifery model. We'll both meet with the client right. so that they know us both as a team. We've also done shared care where you get two doulas and for the we, price of one <laughs> we give you <laughs> we give you um a schedule a doula schedule so we're on call uh one doula on call one week the other on the other so when right. you go into labor you call the one that's on call so again similar to what the midwives do like they it was always you know call your primary but if if you called her and her voicemail said like i'm not on call right now all right, fine. Then you call the yeah. backup. Yeah, and you've met us both. You've had both. You've had mm-hmm. the prenatals with both of us, so you know both of us. And and the the beauty of that is, and and when you're talking about, because Mark, you asked us, how do you do this as a job, right? Especially when you have kids, small kids, because um, I have a daughter. Um, you know, I was like, oh, if I'm at a birth, what if I miss her ballet recital, or what if I miss this, what if I miss that? But if I know that there's certain things, or her birthday party. I know. I'll just say, Amy, you know what? We're having my birth, my daughter's birthday. Can you take call for that weekend? And usually like we arrange it ahead of time and it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. And that really helps with the work-life balance. My daughter's birthday party is next Tuesday. (laughs) When this friend of mine uh, decided like that she wanted to have me at her birth, I initially was like over the moon excited. Like, yes, yes, yes. I want to do it. And then the next day I called her and I said, okay, I may have got a little too excited. I cannot commit to this date. My daughter's turning five. She doesn't understand that there, you know, she's not going to be like, okay, mommy, I get it. You can't come to my birthday. But no, absolutely not. So I said, if you go into labor on her birthday party, I can't be there that day. This is already booked and paid for and I'm, I'm going. And then I remembered I'm also enrolled to take a course. So there's three days in the next two weeks that I'm not available. And I said to her like, okay, I think you need to call your backup doula because she does have another person. And uh, she yesterday said, I'm going to take my chances of you not being available for three days. 
which terrifies me a little bit, but she's also come to the like acceptance that if I can't be there, her partner's going to have to be the one because she really wanted it to be me. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, just talk to your baby, make sure that she doesn't come in one of those three days and we're good. Yeah. The mental, physical connection, it's strong. Yeah. Like just, just talk make to her. Act. <laughs> yeah. But we just found that doing the shared call was, it, it benefited clients and actually our clients loved it. And we, we would always set up a WhatsApp chat. So if Amy's up so late good. and they have a question and they put it on the WhatsApp, one of us is going to be on. That, I think that's super, I think that's super smart though, to have two people. It's just the same as with a midwife because then that one person, like I, I, I thought about that again with logistics, like I have two little kids. If and when I start doing this, offering this service as part of my menu of services, Am I going to be able to be on call that often? That's why I said I'll probably only take a few clients a year. I don't think I'll be doing this regularly because I do have two little kids and I've got a thousand and one other commitments. I can't be on call all the time. It's impossible. Get a good partner. Yeah. Well, you guys are both already taken. How many clients a year do you guys see? Um, I haven't seen very many in the past two years due to school, but I'll do up to three in a month if it works out with the due dates, Yeah, right? And you have to juggle it a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. experience has helped. The years have helped to um, figure that one out, you know, like second time births tend to happen a little earlier, Mm -hmm. tend to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and a little faster. And a little faster. Uh, first times, they usually go over date. So you just kind of do the maths. And, mm-hmm. But it's still a little the, bit of a gamble. It's still a little of bit course. of a gamble. And you always have your backups. Those babies, they or, don't listen from even before they're born. Yeah. <sighs> do you guys ever get like super connected to to the family and all that kind of stuff? Or is it it's just not part of what happens because it's not. I'm still in contact with with families here and in Spain and in Ecuador. And I actually just went to a birth, a third birth mm-hmm. with this particular family. And I see them, they call me when, or she'll send me a photograph actually. The, the, for her last baby, she told me um, it was around Thanksgiving and she sent me a photograph and she said, something along the lines of look what the turkey brought us and I didn't I I didn't really get it and I was looking at the turkey and I said well happy Thanksgiving and stuff and a little while later I went wait a second she's trying to sell me something more um (laughs) congratulations (laughs) um so I don't hear from them between babies Mm -hmm. but we really 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 connect and they always call me back for for the birth and we really connect through the birth Mm -hmm. um and then other people I'm just in contact with on yeah. a regular basis and they send updates about the kids and stuff like that. Do you appreciate that? Like, do you love that part of the job? Yeah. I wonder, okay. I always wondered, like my midwives, for example, when I was seeing them regularly, they make you just feel so important. Like I I felt super supported by them. I loved them. And then I, there was a time where I thought like, oh, maybe I'll send them like a photo of the girls because they delivered both both of the girls and then I was like do they really give a shit like am I just being like super narcissistic do they care about my kids what's like not I'm not in like a bad way but I'm like you know does that or do they get so many of these things that they don't care I love it I love it yeah I absolutely love it like we just got an email from a past client and she was like oh he's 18 months and he's going into daycare and I'm super excited see I feel like I I would like it but I'm also the person like when I'm scrolling through social media and people are posting a billion photos of their kids I like to see the pictures of the kids and I like to see how they're growing and like 
I care about that. But I was just wondering, like, do you get, yeah, do they care? You know what? I probably think they do. I think if you you get into this line of work, you you're compassionate like that. You care. Yeah, they do. My midwife's office does a picnic every year. Yeah, so does ours, and, and they we love do, it. And we did go. One year, uh, we intended to go last year, but it conflicted with, I think, a course we were teaching here. But we went um, the year that I was pregnant with our second. So I was a client, a current client, but I brought my first daughter. And it was really nice because the midwife that actually delivered my first daughter, she was on leave. So I didn't have her the second time. I had the secondary one. So still one person I knew. But um, she came to the picnic. So she got to see my daughter, who was now two and a half, that she delivered two and a half years ago. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, she she seemed to be really happy about it, really excited. And she remembered me, actually. I was walking right by her, more because I was focused on the two and a half year old that was running wild in the field. So I was running after my daughter and all of a sudden I hear my name and I look. She remembered me from... Well, a you had years ago. you had a dad run after you. Remember that time you walked by the cafe and oh yeah, and he came running after you. Yeah, he was like, that look was at our her, daughter. Look at our was daughter. Amazing. Yeah, it was. I was so- on my way to work, <laughs> and somebody came chasing me down the street, and I was I recognize you. It had been two it'd years. Been two years. And he said, "Yeah, do you remember me?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, I recognize you, but when you go to so many births, you don't." Right. You know, and then you have you weren't even at the, the that birth. That's the thing. Oh, it was yeah, a shared. Just did the prenatal. I did. I did the birth. You were, but we, it was shared care. That's why you knew them. And yeah. Plus, uh, plus okay. overnights. So I went back to the restaurant that that they were in, and I met the daughter, and the wife was there. It was really sweet. So, it was yeah. just cool. so. Yeah, it was awesome. Like that's a really rewarding part of our job. See, I'm getting all goosebumpy because <laughs> that's the part of doing like treating prenatal clients that I love. Is most of them they'll come see me through their whole pregnancy, and then of course they fall off the planet for a little bit because they have a newborn and they're figuring out their new life, and then they eventually come back afterwards because their body's in shambles because now they're a new mom and they don't get any sleep and they're breastfeeding and blah blah blah, blah and they bring the babies. I'm like yeah. yay, I get to actually meet this little being that I just saw kicking around in your belly before. Yeah. It's fun. I love the continuation. You know what I'm really curious about? I'm curious about home births. And because you, did you have a home birth? No. Or you were just planning I to? was planning a home birth and then uh, things went uh, awry. So I ended up at the hospital. What made you decide that you wanted a home birth? Um, I was actually, it was our our midwife's office hosted a home birth education night. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I just kind of went for a laugh because we weren't actually planning a home birth. And right. I was like, look, they're doing this thing. Do you want to do it? It's on a Tuesday. Like, why not? We're not doing anything else. And he was like, okay, yeah, let's go and make fun of the hippies. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so we go. But by the end of the night, we were like, Oh my gosh, we this is the way to go. This yeah. is the way you have a baby. Um, I think what I liked about it was the fact that you know it's you're in a familiar surrounding, mm-hmm. so you're more comfortable. Like there's have been studies that have shown us when women transfer from home to hospital, um, there's an increase in their cortisol levels and stress levels, and it can slow down or stop labor. I was going to say I've heard that it slows down the contractions. That is the last thing you want. <laughs> that's the last thing you want, and that's why sometimes what happens is a woman will be convinced she's in active labor at home, and she'll go to the hospital and the nurses will say, well, the monitor is not really showing you having a lot of contractions. It's because they've slowed down. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really comes from our experience as mammals. When women, uh, when when an animal is in labor, if an, they find a little cozy den or whatever to have their baby, and they've usually picked it out ahead of time, but if they have to move because of a predator, 
their body will stop labor to enable them to move to a place of safety. And that's Mm -hmm. a natural, normal thing. So something, you know, inferences can be made that something happens similarly to women going to hospitals. But yeah, the home birth sounded just great. They come to your house. I'm like, good, my kitchen's there. I can have my food. I don't have to worry about somebody looking after my cat. Like, this is awesome. (laughs) I can stay in my bed. I can use my bathtub. I, you know, it was, it was just, it just sounded fantastic. And when the midwives, what really turned the corner for me was when they said, we come equipped with everything that a tier two hospital has. We cannot administer an epidural, but, and we cannot perform a cesarean section, but we can do everything else that a tier one hospital would do. And I said, and then they said, if you were to call, and, and the biggest fear is that if something goes wrong, but in the city of Toronto, you call 911, and then ambulance is there in an average of two to three minutes. Yeah, it's very fast. And you will be admitted quicker. And I guess the other big thing is there's this sort of misconception that there's just doctors everywhere in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like you go, go to a labor and delivery unit, and there's just going to be like, doctors everywhere (laughs) and it's not true there's like probably two of them on the floor there's also a misconception that with this i'm putting it in air quotes right now with something going wrong during your birth that it's like if a doctor's not there in 15 seconds you're gonna die yeah like i everybody would say that to me when they found out that i was you know going with a midwife well like what if something goes wrong what if yeah and the midwife will know if she can or can't handle it on her own she will know if she needs to bring a doctor in and They've got doctors in their back pockets. So every everybody's fine. Everything is fine. It's, you know, there's never, I don't think there's as frequently these emergencies that need a doctor right now as people think there are. I think I would have thought that initially with our first child. And I think now I kick around the idea of a home birth differently. Like I would be more accepting of a home birth because I'm not worried about those things. The only thing that would stop me from a home birth is if this wasn't, it's going to sound so stupid, is if this wasn't like my home that I'm not going to move from anymore. Like this is just my house now because to drive by this house (laughs) 10 years later and it's not mine anymore to be like, you know, you're born in that house over there, that third bedroom over there, that that's where you're born. That would feel a little weird to me, right? Versus, yep, this is the family home that is now just the family home. You have to understand the psyche of Mark to understand that he owns things that are older than I am. Oh. He's he's a very nostalgic kind of guy. His parents still live in the house that he grew up in, and he will never let them sell that house unless it is to him. That's yeah. amazing. My husband's like that. Yeah, I throw things out when he's not home. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm like, can we sell our house? Because I want to leave the city. Because we were talking about leaving the city right. earlier, and I'm like, you know, what? I'm done with Toronto. I'm so sick of it. Let's let's go. Let's get out of the city. And he's just like, but but we've lived here for so many years. And I'm like, we live in a two-bedroom semi. <laughs> it's a rooming house next to us. You remind me of like a couple on, uh, what's that show that we watch sometimes? Love It or List It. Oh, yeah. When it's like the completely impractical home and there's always one of the two <laughs> of the couple that are like, no, but it's the memories and this is our home. And yeah, that'd be me. Because that, yeah, that would be him. I'm... I think I'm far less sentimental. I keep things that I think are really, really important to keep. Like, so for example, I have both of the girls' blankets from the hospitals. I have their teeny tiny little hospital bracelets. I, I'm disgusting and I have the umbilical cords. Like I have that kind of stuff, but like 
every piece of artwork my five-year-old brings home from school. Come on. Yeah, but you see, that's where, I, that's where I'd be like, I think it'd be important to own the house that my child was born in. Yeah, right? that, that's an interesting point because there is a big connection there and some people would say it's leaving that sort of, you know, big emotional impact moment that somehow gets impressioned into the house. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if I went a totally different route. The reason I didn't want a home birth was the mess. The crime scene I left behind in that hospital well, the tub. midwives clean it. The midwives clean it's it up. It's like nothing ever really? happened. Really? Yeah. They explained the whole thing. You put a you put a shower curtain on the mattress. You put two sets of old bed sheets that you don't care about on the bed, and that and they clean it up. You that's, get to sit there and I bond could, with your baby. That's all I could think of. And they clean was, up. Do I really want to have like a baby in like a pool in my living room? And I'm like, no, I don't want to deal with that mess. <laughs> I don't think they clean up the, they, I don't think they take off the birth pool. It's whoever you, the, you rent the birth pool from, I think, comes Oh, really? I, I have no I, idea. I do it if I'm there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, at Sunnybrook, they took their sweet ass time cleaning up that tub afterwards. The next morning, uh, it nobody, was still. Nobody wanted to do it. That's why. Yeah. That's okay. They lost a scalpel in my bed. So, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it oh happens. Boy. It happens. Okay, these are these are just these are just things. It's a funny story. Now, at the time, I was like, "What?" the 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 nurse was looking very perplexed, and she's like, "I'm really sorry, but we lost a scalpel." I'm like, "Where?" <laughs> she's like, In the bed. I'm like, "Like I could be sitting on it." Oh my god. I, uh, I'm like, "Well, I don't feel anything, so I think I'm okay." <laughs> There's a scalpel. There's a scalpel, and they're like, "Can you please get out of the bed?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> It's a professional tool. It's not a pen. (laughs) I don't don't even think they found it. They just kicked me off the bed and changed the sheets. I was like, okay. Oh, man. Well, you got to go with the flow. My my husband wasn't even in the room. He was filling out the the OHIP paper or whatever. Like, you know, all the birth certificate stuff that they make the guy fill out. So So once, once you've now done the labor delivery... Do you leave almost immediately after? Like, do you kind of let the family bond with the baby? How long do you guys hang out? Does it get awkward? (laughs) That's when I leave. (laughs) When it gets awkward. Okay. No, I'm usually there for an hour and a half to two hours after. There's like this natural moment where the baby's had a breastfeed. um, The nurses have cleaned up. It's like nothing ever happened in the room. And now it's time for the couple to just be with their baby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when is your first postpartum visit? If you get that far, because I know some women just want you there for the birth, right? And then they're done. Or do they all have you postpartum? The majority. The majority. And we strongly encourage it, even with, uh, you know, sometimes we get that question from second time moms. They're like, oh, do I really need to have a postpartum visit? Because I've already done this. And we're like, yes, you especially need it because now you're navigating life with two slash three, three kids. So um, we'll throw in some sibling education in there as well. Going from one to two felt like I was hit by a truck. Yeah, it's, like dis- it's a big difference. And then again. Yeah. So so we, we do encourage them to do. It. I mean, I've had a couple of clients that maybe didn't do it just because I don't know why they just didn't call back or whatever. Okay. But. So but, typically you do the postpartum visit. Is it, is it a similar schedule in the beginning as the midwife? Like I know they do a visit in the first 24 hours and then once again that first week. And then after that, it's kind of every two weeks until six weeks. I'd say no schedule. No I schedule. I like to do the first postpartum visit, the one that's included in the package 
when her milk comes in. So like three days-ish? Three to five okay. days. Okay. And, yeah. and we'll often coordinate, if it's a midwife client, we'll coordinate it so that we're there on a day when the midwife isn't there so that they have somebody coming in mm-hmm. every day awesome. for that first week because that's really important. Um, and then, of course, if they want to ongoing postpartum support, um, then we schedule that around the client. I mean, we've had some unusual ones. I've had some, uh, I've had overnight postpartum support where it's been on call, which has been really unusual. And that tends to be a case with second kids. So let's say, for example, um, someone's in the hospital having their baby and husband has to go home because they have a toddler and the Mm -hmm. babysitter can only stay for a certain amount of time and dad has to go home. But but mom doesn't want to be alone with the new baby in the hospital. So I've done like overnights in hospitals. That's, yeah. You have. I have. I didn't know that. I have, yeah. And that is torture. Mark can attest to that. It's not like they give anybody else a comfortable place to stay. He was sitting up in the coldest room. Yeah. Um, both of my kids are summer babies, so I don't know, I guess maybe they blast the AC because it's freaking a million degrees outside, but he was, we were freezing. I mean, I had a blanket, I had a bed, but he was sitting up in a chair for two nights. In yeah, that tiny little cubicle. Yeah. That's that's another beauty about home birth. Yeah. yeah. You'll go through that. Yeah. I find postpartum recovery is really tough, especially if you're sharing a room. I find that the clients that I've done that for, they always have the unfortunate luck to share a room with uh, a very upset baby and uh, someone who's got like 500 family members visiting. Yeah, that happened and, to and us. And I remember my poor client in tears just saying, I just want to sleep. I just yep. want to sleep. We we had that experience the first time. So we had requested a private room, but I mean, you can request it. If they don't have it, they don't have it. So I had my first daughter, it was about 10.30 p.m., they brought us to a room because it was so, I, I mean, technically I could have gone home, but because by the time, you know, I was stitched and blah, 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 yeah, it's one o'clock in the morning, they said, we'll bring you to a room. You can sleep. And my midwife said, if everything's good and you feel good, you can go home in the morning. So it was really just to sleep. So they brought me to a semi-private room. And when I first got there, there was nobody sharing with me early, early in the morning, couldn't tell you what time, they brought in another woman with her baby. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Like I'm leaving in probably a couple hours. And then she had every member of her extended family's extended family <laughs> come through all at the same, like it was ridiculous. There had to be like 15 people in the room at one point. And thankfully my first daughter was like a unicorn. She was so easygoing and didn't cry a lot, but I was like, this is crazy. Like, why do you need to have every member of your family and then their friends come and visit you? It was just nuts. Some people like it. They think it's a big party. I, I was I, not impressed. I, I remember being in the <laughs> hospital and they brought in an entire buffet. Stop. Like oh, I'm wow. like the big, you know, the foil containers with yeah, like the, yeah. it was Greek food. It was like, kebabs and stuff (laughs) i was like whoa you're having a party that is so funny (laughs) this is incredible no i didn't i actually didn't want anyone to visit other than um i had my parents come like as soon as she was born so they were there they hung out for maybe an hour like immediately after i gave birth then they left and everybody else it was like you just wait till i come home yeah everyone's different though right some people love that support some people need their quiet space and and we do you know we we will typically i'll leave about an hour, hour and a half as well. Um, I will sometimes help uh, the parents transport the stuff to the postpartum room. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll pick up a bag and make sure that they've I've cleared out the labor room mm-hmm. so the dad can stay with mom. You know, I'll just say, you stay here. You guys stay together. I'll just go back and check the room. Make sure. And then I'll get there and I'll say, does it look like you've got everything? I checked all the drawers. I checked the fridge. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Is there any record keeping that goes along with being a doula? 
does your association require you to, you know, keep records and all that kind of stuff? Not documentation. No, no? but no, we do. But I, yeah, I mean, we do. But that's personal. I take notes right, through the birth. Right. Um, what time the baby was born? Yeah. What happened through labor? At what point the contractions got more intense? At what point she started pushing? How long did she push for? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just to recount yeah, for sure. to the couple yeah. later. And we also, in the postpartum, go through, like, how did you feel about your birth? What do you remember? What, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I write a birth story. So I, I put together a card and I write this little birth story kind of from the baby's perspective that's really cool um, that's so cool and give it to them it's also just good for us too if we get subsequent clients who are coming for an yeah. e- another pregnancy it's like then we can review the notes on how did yeah. that first pregnancy go right. were there any triggers and, and that's very helpful when you're meeting because like Amy said if you have a lot of clients and you yeah. see go to so many births you know and somebody comes to you three years later it's like yeah you remember them but do you remember every detail off the top of your head of yeah. their birth no and even from like a medical legal standpoint it's a good idea yeah yeah Yeah. well i feel like this was like super informative for me because i'm about to do this i know wow you feel ready now i do i i mean i felt ready before and it's so i think you guys are just confirming that this is something you you really are just confirming this is something i knew that i wanted to do it's it's interesting because I know a lot of, I mean, a lot of my friends have had kids. A lot of friends are pregnant now. And I hear a lot of people as they get closer, as you said, you get to that like third trimester and it's getting prepared. I hear a lot of people now expressing their fears in the third trimester. And I remember, and maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but I remember saying to him, is it strange that I'm not afraid? Like I was very calm both times going in. I just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm, and that's how I feel sort of with this doula thing. I'm like, I feel like I can do this. Like I feel, I don't know. I feel like, okay. About being at another person's birth. Like when he was like, are you sure you're ready to see that? I'm like, yeah, I, I feel okay about that. Perfect. That's what you go in with. Um, doula survival tips though. Cause a doula needs a doula too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Drink, drink lots. Drink, stay hydrated, yeah. take snacks mm. for you and everyone in the room. Yes. I always go as well with, like in hospitals, they don't usually let the woman eat. Um, they definitely won't let her eat once she's medicated in any way. Yeah. So I always take candy, mint, chocolate, yeah, something yeah. that's really easy to slip in and you just get a, a quick sugar rush, a bit mm. of an energy for her. That's so funny that you say that. I remember being in active labor with my first, but like I said, I, I just felt like I was coping a lot better that first time and very calmly asked my midwife after my contractions had started. I'm like, so like, I'm not allowed to eat anymore, am I? And she's like, well, do you want to? I'm like, I, I, I'm probably going to get hungry. Like, is it okay? And she's like, I wouldn't advise it, but you can if you want to. Yeah. I ended up not eating because once they got really intense, I changed yeah. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't eat either. Solidarity. Yeah. yeah. I kept I'm telling like, I'm going to go hungry too. I brought a bag full of snacks, mainly for him because we didn't know how long we were going to be there. And I kept telling him, if you're hungry, go eat. Or if you need a break, you know, go outside. Like, it didn't bother me. He was like, nope, solidarity. He stayed the entire time. He didn't eat a thing. I was like, you, you can have something. 
something. I won't get upset. My husband went and got pizza. Wow. Like the, no, there was a pizza place in the food court, like at the hospital. No, I mean, did he bring back the pizza, or did he go eat and then come back? No, he uh, he ate it there, and he was very excited because he came back and he said they were closing, and I got it for free. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's fantastic. And the midwife turns around and says, your wife's been pushing for ten minutes. <laughs> because as soon as he left the room, I was like, I think I got. I think I have to push. So he, but I, I was concerned. I didn't want him to pass out. So I was actually glad he ate. And yeah. he was, he was gotten, and then I remember what, between pushes, I was like, so how was the pizza? Was it good? He's only giving me his broth. And he's like, no, it was terrible. I'm like, oh, you're a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that, how hungry I was immediately after. Like once it was all over, it was like one o'clock in the morning and I'm like, where can I get food? I'm so hungry now. Uber and eats. you guys did go find me something. It was disgusting, but you guys did find me some food. There was something open in the hospital and somebody brought me like a bagel with cream cheese. I'm like, this is probably 17 hours old, but I'm going to eat it. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else you want to ask these two lovely doulas that are here? Well, I think I, I think I got all my weird questions out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for dealing with the dude with the weird questions. They weren't that weird. Anything else you guys want to talk about? I think we kind of covered it all from first meeting to postpartum. I don't know. I love that. Um, Mark, you kind of, you dispelled a little bit about the husbands and home births, you know, the myth about home births being, I mean, it's not for everybody, mm -hmm. but, and you have to choose the best thing you can do for labor and birth is choose where you're going to be most comfortable. That's mm -hmm. a good start. But also if I could get to a, a group of husbands, home birth husbands together to dispel the myth <laughs> of it is okay. Like it's not the worst thing in the world. It is okay to have a home birth. It is, it can be safe. It is safe, you know? So I love um, your well, comment. Well, I definitely would not have about, been like that with our first child. I think that was like, no, we're doing this at a hospital, blah, blah, blah. But then after being there and doing the whole thing, I'm like, mm. Yeah, he was even iffy about the midwife Initially, initially, yeah, because like many people, he had no idea what that meant. What is a midwife? What do they do? Is there still a doctor? It's not till I started going to the appointments mm -hmm. with Amanda that I was like, well, okay, I get it. I can, I can get down with this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I loved how uh, how much they included him. You know, and I don't think you do get that same experience with the OB. I think, I mean, I guess it depends on the doctor. I shouldn't generalize, but I feel like the doctor would feel more like, okay, husband, just sit down for a second while I deal with your wife. Whereas the midwife would ask him, like, how are you feeling? And actually, yeah. like, include him in the appointments and let him listen to the heartbeat and let, you know, it was, it was very yeah. pleasant. It's a nice yeah. experience. It's, it's, um, it, it with with midwifery care it's just a shame that a lot of women can't get even if they want a midwife they can't get one i know and that that has to do with a lack of midwives but that also has to do with uh, a whole lot of um midwifery schools are quite selective in terms of how many students they take in and are there changes to like funding Polit yeah and there's, I was gonna gonna say, there's also political issues there's around some political too. issues around yeah. that as well but i mean uh, ultimately if you're a low risk woman midwifery care is a wonderful way yeah. uh, it's a wonderful option i mean but of course women should always choose what they feel more comfortable with mm -hmm. and many people just feel better with a doctor you know well i think for anybody listening if you are pregnant or if you know somebody who's pregnant um just spreading the education about what doulas do because i think what you guys do is super important especially when um when 
they don't have a midwife for that a little bit of extra support. And like I said, if I had known when I was pregnant that I could just have a postpartum doula, because I felt I felt confident in labor and delivery. But afterwards, I was a complete wreck, which I think most first-time moms are. So um, if anybody listening wanted to get in touch with you guys, how do they do that? Uh, you can send us an email at hello doula care all one word at gmail.com or visit us on our website at doula care journey.com right well, thank you guys so much well, for coming for in and us. sorry thank that you. it went way later than we expected it to no, <laughs> it's probably no worries there won't be any traffic now yes <laughs> <laughs> awesome right thank you. on you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace